I'm Nikki Strong, and this is VOA One, the hits. Welcome to Learning English, a daily 30-minute program from the Voice of America. I'm Ashley Thompson, and I'm Dan Novak. This program is designed for English learners, so we speak a little slower, and we use words and phrases, especially written for people learning English. Today, Dan Novak tells us about the war in Tigray and its effects on students. Brian Lynn presents this week's technology report. We close the show with the next part of our U.S. history series, "The Making of a Nation." But first, an island group belonging to Taiwan has been without internet for the past month. Taiwanese officials blame two Chinese ships. For cutting cables that caused the outage, the Matsu Islands have a population of about fourteen thousand. The people living there depend on two undersea cables that bring internet service to the community from Taiwan's main island. Taiwan's National Communication Commission said it had found evidence. That a Chinese ship cut the first internet cable about fifty kilometers off the Chinese coast in early February. About a week later, another ship cut the second cable. The commission said. Taiwan's government stopped short of accusing the Chinese government of cutting the cables on purpose. There has been no direct evidence to prove that the Chinese ships were responsible, the Associated Press reported. People living on the islands have since been using a microwave radio signal system to receive limited internet. That system uses older technology and has resulted in long delays for basic internet services. Internet cables are covered in steel armor when placed in less deep waters, but even with such protection, cables can easily get cut by equipment used by ships and fishing boats. The cables had been cut a total of twenty-seven times during the past five years. Data from Taiwan's largest telecommunications company showed. We can't rule out that China destroyed these on purpose," said Su Tsuyun. He is a defense expert at the Taiwan government-run National Defense and Security Research Group. He added, "Taiwan needs to invest more resources in repairing and protecting the cables." Taiwan's Coast Guard. Chased the fishing boat that cut the first cable on February second, but the boat fled back to Chinese waters. A Taiwanese government official told the AP. Officials said they had found two Chinese ships in the area where the cables were cut. 
Wang Chungming is the head of Lianqiang County, the official name for the Matsu Islands. He said he traveled to Taiwan with a legislator from Matsu shortly after the internet broke down to ask for help. He was promised the area would get priority in any future internet backup plans. Taiwan's National Communications Commission said it would put in place a data gathering system in an effort to prevent future cable cutting incidents. Some Pacific Island nations still depend on satellite as a backup for internet services, said Jonathan Brewer, a telecommunications consultant from New Zealand, who works across Asia. Tigray is over, but the trauma remains. Sega Fitzum is a volunteer teacher at the Mai Weini School in the Tigray capital, Mekele. She said, "When school started soon after the November peace deal of last year, her students' minds were still on the conflict. They used to be inclined to draw guns instead of writing alphabets and numbers," she told VOA. "But now we say the war has stopped. There is peace, and there is no fear, and they should work freely. The effects of the war are likely to continue for years. The Mai Weini School is home to more than 8,500 people who were displaced by the war." About 5,100 are children under the age of 18. Most have been outside of the education system for more than two years. A 2022 report by the United Nations said that 1.39 million children in Tigray do not attend school. The war between Ethiopia's federal government and Tigrayan forces. Left many children without parents or separated from families. The effect of those emotional wounds lasts a long time for children, experts say. Etsendijo Hadera is a psychiatrist in Mekale's Idare Hospital. He said it is important for parents to help ease the hidden scars the children carry. When parents see behavioral changes, they should give their children hope, and let them know it's okay and that it will all pass. He told VOA. If they are not comforted that way, they listen to everything around them, even when we think they are not paying attention. Fitzum said the top goal must be healing the children at the school and reuniting them with their families. Many children were hurt, and some were forced to live parentless. But if there is peace, they want to go back to school and return to their families. We need to make an effort, especially for the children," she said. 
Maresu Gebru is a mother who sought shelter on the school grounds after fleeing my cadre. She said, Education is a solution for all. I want education, stability. Gebru fled with one of her five children from the town where some of the war's worst violence took place. Her four other children, along with her husband, fled to Sudan. People who live around the school said life is far from normal for the children. Mekele was bombed by government warplanes several times. During the war, children were psychologically traumatized, said Gebreg Ziaber Hadush, who lives in Mekele. Now that there is a peace deal, experts say mental health services should be offered to children as they re-enter the classrooms. Psychiatrist Etzendijo said the problems from the war will continue to affect the next generation. Some of my patients under 18 say they have lost hope, he said. They are thinking about committing suicide. Some ask, what is our hope? School has stopped and we are suffering. They need psychosocial support. I'm Dan Novak. A new study has found that a dinosaur's size was not necessarily linked to how quickly it grew. The research results come from studying a group of dinosaurs called theropods. Some theropods, like the meat-eating Tyrannosaurus rex, could grow to about the size of a bus. Others were much smaller, including some that grew to about the size of a cat. Scientists have long believed that theropods generally followed a set pattern for growth. It was thought that dinosaurs that grew the fastest also got bigger than other theropods and the ones that grew slower were believed to grow up to be smaller. But the new study, which recently appeared in the publication Science, raises questions about that theory. The researchers examined rings called cortical growth marks in different theropod species. The marks appeared inside the dinosaur's bones each year. They are similar to rings inside a tree that can be counted to tell how old the tree is. Widely spaced rings suggest a faster growth rate, while closely spaced rings suggest slower growth. The scientists found no common pattern linked to body size. Some huge theropods grew quickly and stopped growing, while some grew slower over a longer period of time to reach the same size. Some small theropods grew quickly and others grew slowly.
Mike Demick is a professor of biology at Adelphi University in New York City. He was the lead writer of the study. Demick told Reuters news agency the latest research overturns past thinking about the growth of theropods. He added that the study suggests other groups should also be studied to see if the research results hold up with other animals. It's equally likely that an animal evolved larger body size by growing at the same rate for longer, rather than just growing faster, Demick said. It is surprising and important to know that animals are just as likely to evolve to gigantic sizes at slow rates. The study found that Tyrannosaurus rex, which could grow to 12 meters long, was an example of a big and fast-growing theropod. Acrocanthosaurus, which is a bit smaller than T. rex, was an example of a big but slow-growing theropod. The researchers said the two-meter-long Coelophysis was a fast-growing, smaller theropod. Zixionacus, one of the tiniest dinosaurs at 50 centimeters long, was a small and slow-growing theropod. The study found that Spinosaurus, a 15-meter theropod that spent time on land and in the water, grew much more slowly than Tyrannosaurus. And it found that Maposaurus, which reached about 11.5 meters, grew even faster than Tyrannosaurus. Patrick O'Connor is an evolutionary biologist and was a co-writer of the study. He told Reuters that the study should open the door to new research about how growth rates are connected to the size of many different animal groups. I'm Brian Lynn. just heard this week's technology report from Brian Lynn. Now, one of VOA Learning English's teachers, John Russell, joins me to talk a little more about the story. Hi, John. Welcome. Hi, Ashley. Thank you for having me on the show. The report describes research findings about the growth of dinosaurs known as theropods. What exactly are theropods? Theropods are generally carnivorous, or meat-eating dinosaurs, that walk on two legs and often have shorter arms. The Tyrannosaurus rex and Velociraptor are two famous kinds of theropods. Where did the name theropod come from? The online etymology dictionary says the name comes from modern Latin with Greek elements. The main parts are 
Thare, meaning wild beast or beast of prey, and pod, meaning foot. So you might translate the name as something like beast foot. Interesting information, John. Well, thanks again for taking the time to talk with us today. You're welcome. See you next time. VOA Learning English has launched a new program for children. It is called Let's Learn English with Anna. The new course aims to teach children American English through asking and answering questions and experiencing fun situations. For more information, visit our website, learningenglish.voanews.com. Welcome to the Making of a Nation, American History in VOA Special English. A new leader stood before the American people on March 4, 1913. He was Woodrow Wilson, the 28th President of the United States. Wilson belonged to the Democratic Party. He was progressive in his belief that government should take an active part in efforts for social reforms. Kay Gallant and Harry Monroe begin the story of Wilson's presidency. Woodrow Wilson had spent most of his life at Princeton University. First, he was a professor. Then, he was university president. Next, Wilson was elected governor of the state of New Jersey. His early success as governor made him a leading candidate for the Democratic presidential nomination in 1912. Wilson traveled widely around the country during the campaign. He made speeches to many groups. He tried to make himself and his ideas known to as many Americans as possible. Wilson called his program the New Freedom. One of his campaign promises was to fight for better conditions for America's small business owners. Such proposals helped him win the Democratic nomination for president. Then he defeated President William Howard Taft and former President Theodore Roosevelt in the election. Woodrow Wilson, the former president of a university, had become the president of a nation. The largest crowd in Washington, D.C.'s history welcomed Wilson outside the Capitol building on the day of his inauguration. He called on the American people to join him in making the country a better place. Our duty, Wilson said, is to correct the evil without hurting the good. I call all honest men, all patriotic, all forward-looking men, to my side. 
Wilson wasted no time. He immediately called a special session of Congress to act on democratic campaign promises to reduce import taxes or tariffs. Wilson felt strongly about the need to reform these taxes. He broke tradition by leaving the White House to appear before Congress in person to appeal for his tariff proposals. Many members of Congress opposed Wilson's plans, but the new president used the results of a Senate investigation to win the fight. The investigation showed that a number of senators owned companies that depended on high tariffs for their profits. The votes of these senators were influenced by their property holdings. Public knowledge of the situation forced many of them to give up their holdings and stop resisting tariff reform. Congress finally approved Wilson's proposals. Lower tariffs reduced the amount of money taken in by the federal government. So the Senate also approved a tax on income or earnings. A constitutional amendment had been passed earlier to permit such a tax. President Wilson and the Democratic Party were pleased with the new tariff and income tax bills, but they were far from finished. Next, they turned their efforts to reform of the banking industry. For several years. Many people had recognized the need for changes in the banking system. The old system of uncontrolled private banks had developed years earlier, before the United States became a major industrial nation. Many people agreed that a more modern system was needed, but they could not agree on details. President Wilson said control of the nation's wealth was held by too few men. He noted a report that said just two men controlled ten percent of the total wealth of the United States. Wilson said the nation needed a money supply that could be increased or reduced when necessary to correct economic conditions. He said a method was needed to let banks help each other during economic emergencies, and he said laws were needed to prevent a few wealthy men from using the economic resources of the country for their own purposes. Finally, Wilson said the control of this system of banking must be public, not private. It must belong to the government itself. Wilson called his proposal for a central bank, the Federal Reserve System. Under the plan, the nation would be divided into twelve areas. Each area would have its own Federal Reserve Bank. These area banks would not do business with the public. 
they would serve only as bankers' banks, and they would issue a new form of money supported by the federal government. Most important, the leaders of the new system would be chosen by the government, not by private business. Bankers, business leaders, and their representatives in Congress sharply criticized President Wilson's proposals. They said government control of the banking system was socialism, not capitalism. But Wilson refused to change his proposals, and he helped to lead the fight to make them law. Finally, Congress agreed. It did not take long for bankers to discover that the new system was much better than the old one. Today, the Federal Reserve System is one of the most important institutions in the United States. For Woodrow Wilson, the fight over the banking system was yet another political success. He had won major reforms in the nation's tariffs. Taxes and banking systems. Now he told Congress that new legislation was needed to control the power of monopolies and trusts. These were the giant companies and business alliances that controlled complete industries. Wilson proposed a new antitrust law. To control the actions of large companies, his supporters in Congress wrote a bill that listed a number of business activities that no longer would be permitted. For example, no longer could a company set prices that would reduce competition or create a monopoly. No longer could corporations buy stocks of competing companies. No longer could they demand that a store refuse to sell competing products. The new bill also protected labor unions from being charged with antitrust violations. It gave unions more power to organize and protect workers. At President Wilson's request, Congress also prepared a law that set up a government agency called the Federal Trade Commission. The commission was given the job of investigating wrongdoing in business. It had the power to force companies to obey the new antitrust laws and other rules. Both the antitrust law. And the Federal Trade Commission helped protect small business owners from the power of business giants. Once again, the proposals caused fierce debate, but once again, Congress finally voted to give Wilson most of what he wanted. The early months of Wilson's term were one of the most successful times in the history of any president. 
the new president had won the election by promising major reforms in the economic life of the country, and he had kept that promise. The reforms were not only a victory for Woodrow Wilson. They also changed the face of American business and economics for many years to come. The income tax, for example, grew to become the federal government's main source of money. Woodrow Wilson had taught history in the days when he was a professor at Princeton University. He knew his actions as president could influence the country for a long time. But as a historian, he also knew his own term in the White House could be changed by unexpected events. That is just what happened. Wilson campaigned for president mainly on national issues, but he soon was forced to spend more and more time on international issues. His first big problem was across the United States' southern border in Mexico. And that's our program for today. Join us again tomorrow to keep learning English through stories from around the world. I'm Ashley Thompson. And I'm Dan Novak. 